Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. Happy Monday, guys. It's a Monday following a massive win on the road. Quad 1A victory against Texas Tech. Spirits are high. Everything is momentously coming up Bearcats recently. So, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to delay this anymore. I'm bringing my guys, my pals. All three of us, four of us, pardon me, three plus me. That's right. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm good. Good. Fresh cut. Royer's got a fresh cut. Oh, baby. Brent and Aaron are, are letting things get a little wild. I, I see the wings come. Brent might fly away. I, I know. Underneath the Danco, the Danco hat. Rocking the hat. Let let him fly, man. I, you know, Royer's got that that new age good looking haircut. You got that that good looking fresh cut, and mine is just like that old school like baseball player vibe. You know, got got like the flow coming out, maybe a little skater like. Yeah, I'm here for this. Here for this, right, Aaron? Right, Aaron. I'm just trying to picture you on a skateboard, and I don't I don't foresee it going well. I ollied once in my life, and that's about it. Everything else is, is falling off. And, uh, Did you say Ollie or Owied? Uh, Ollie, uh, right? A quick Ollie. Yeah, I yeah. just wasn't sure if it if yet ended up at Owied. I know the lingo. I listened to a Blink One Eighty Two song or two. You know how it is. But uh, you know, speaking of you know all the small things, a, a, a fantastic victory for for the Bearcats. A very big thing. If uh, if we're being honest, um, but we're gonna dive into that in a bit. Royer, how are we, sir? Welcome into the. BBP, going to be a good one, going to be a hot one, going to be a spicy one. Feeling great. Excited to break down some good ball. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Well, uh, you know, breaking down good ball, excitement. Uh, maybe a skateboard slides out in front of your car. You you run over it, swerve, and, and you end up needing to get fixed. I head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Danco Joe will get you hooked up. Mention uh, myself. Mention Chad, Aaron. Royer, Blink-182. Danco Joe will hook it up. Let him know we sent you. Get $10 off your next oil change, 10% off your next fixing. Danco Transmission, not a care. We love you. So let's let's dive right in. A huge win. Um, obviously, midweek, Wednesday was not fun. Uh, it was one of those where you get up 10, you start thinking things you probably shouldn't. Uh, then West Virginia comes back and and, and pulls off a an upset victory uh, and one that that sent a lot of a lot of Bearcat fans into a tizzy. Uh, and then what do they do? Just when you think you're you're out, as as Al Pacino that one meme says, is you get pulled. They they bring me back in. Yeah, you know, a uh, huge win, a, a win that the field of sixty eight guys said the team of the weekend, the Cincinnati Bearcats. They, they hit the road, another ranked road win, a quad 1A win. That That's an extra special quad 1 win for all you bracketologists out there. And they are able to take down the Red Raiders, the first home loss for the Red Raiders. On the road, Lubbock proved not to be too difficult to get in and out of with a victory. Uh, but, man. They were home by, like, 1230, Brent. Like, they were back, back pulling onto campus. It's not that hard. Game at 6. Six and a half hours later, you're already back home with a dub. In hindsight, 
Do we even know at this point if he was actually talking about Lubbock or perhaps another city that he was just lost in and had no idea where he was going? Fair. Maybe even Waco. I would think, well, or because obviously he was at the game at West Virginia the game before. Maybe his little pregame chat with with West when West just said he was saying hi. Maybe he Bob was like, "Hey, man, I'll I'll get you some tips on how to get to Lubbock pretty quick because it's it's oh. hard." So maybe that's what it was. Just a quick uh, quick reference on how to get in. But uh, 75, 72, in and out. Um, a a three-pointer by Pop Isaacs that you couldn't play any better defense on, if, if I'm being honest with you. One of those uh, prayers that he's known to make. Um, man, it, and another fun thing about being in the Big 12 is the fact that you got to think about playing Pop Isaacs for – a couple more years here in the Big Twelve. You know, it's it's just these budding little rivalries, budding little. Uh, I you know, instead of saying, "Oh, I I hope Tulane when they come into town, oh, can't wait to get back at them." No, this is this is a Big Twelve. You've got. You big think he's going to be around for a couple things. of years? Yeah. Yeah, probably. He's he's undersized. He had five turnovers. He's not a point guard. That's a that's a college player written all over him. Leads the Big Twelve in points. I mean, we've seen national. Sean Kilpatrick was a first-team All-American and played like ah, that was different times. Went undrafted. Max Max Agnes was was leading the country in, in points throughout his entire career. Max Agnes is not going to sniff the NBA. It's just you know sometimes you're just a great college scorer, you know, but. uh it was a game that obviously a lot of things come into play to pull out the victory. Uh, Chad, Aaron, you guys kind of dove into it already on that the, the post game recap. A little fun intro. Hello to our friend Justin Berg hopping on for the final twenty minutes or so. But Royer, you're able to get your eyes on a little bit of Bearcat basketball in the Big Twelve at Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. One of the best young coaches in the country on his way up, leading the Red Raiders. I, you're, you're just observations. What did you draw back from this win from the team? They just hung in it. And I think there was a lot of times where they could have like pulled away by six or eight points, but they just kept making dumbass passes there in the second half where I was like, man, they're just letting Texas Tech hang around and hang around, hang around, and they're just going to let it fall right through their fingers, just like how they kind of been doing in the Big 12 this this whole season where it's, yeah, we're close, we get a lead, but we give it up. Um, we have a lead of four points, that lead goes away, or, we, or we're, we're within six points, but we can never get over the hump. Um, and then when they hit that three there at the end, I was like, well, there it is. We're back to our, back to our old ways. But uh, I think you, you got a guy that you went out and got in the portal and you got him to, to step up and, and be a, a leader and make big plays and big games. And, you know, Seamus just stepped up, big threes, and then the game-winning shot there, the little uh, turnaround jumper. Um, you know, it was just a great team win. Everyone, stay, everyone staying involved in the action, over, overcoming a, a hard environment, and overcoming some mistakes there I, that I thought were going to cost them a couple times. But – it just shows that this team is just constantly getting better and just shows that Wes uh, has everything going in the right direction. Hey, Amen. Uh, oh, shout him out. 
Thank you, Tonk, for the $10 donation. How about them Bearcats? What the funk is up, fellas? I believe that's a Brad Chendel reference. Happy Monday. <laughs> Brad Chendel. Uh, uh, are you yeah, from the Topeka to Times. Brad Chendel from the Topeka Times. Yes, from the Topeka Times. So yeah. what what do you think is, is going on with this this kind of funk? That they that the Bearcats seem to get in down the stretch in certain games where, you know, they went what from the I've written down here from the eleven, uh, okay, from eleven fifteen left in the game all the way to four twenty three left in the game. They only made one of thirteen shots. Yes, they finished on an absolute high note, but it seems like every single game recently in the you know, second half, there has been kind of a, a bit of a dry spell, if you will, where they just can't really get anything to fall through. They were able to get to the free throw line a few times throughout that stretch, but one of 13 shots during that stretch, you know, a, another cold little streak they had in the first half against UCF. Second half against West Virginia kind of really put the nail in the coffin for them to even have a chance to pull that one out. You saw it at Kansas. They went through another similar long stretch without getting a bucket. Are you going to ask a question? <laughs> yeah. I, so it, it, it's, it's what happens when you're an average offense. They're an average offense. When you're an average offense playing in an elite league, you're going to have dry spells. Like they, they don't have Bob Isaacs. And guess what? Texas Tech did. And they still like it, it's, it's part of the game. You're going to go hot and cold, especially. If you're a team that ever, what are they shooting in conference play? 42% from the floor? You're going to have stretches where you make 9 of 12. And you're going to have stretches where you go 1 for 13. Like, that's, that's what's an average out to? 10 for 24, 10 for 25, 40%. Like, it's, it's, that's how this plays out. You, you'd like for there to be less wild swings. But for right now, that's offensively who they are, Brent. They're they're gonna be up and down because they're not making enough shots to not be up and down. If you're up around 47, 48, 50% from the floor, you're not gonna go through these swings where you're hot and you're cold because you're you're better at putting the ball in the basket. This is not a great team at putting the ball in the basket. It is a team that is is trending towards elite. Defensively, it is a team that is elite, as you pointed out on on X today. It is a team that is elite on the glass. Mm -hmm. um, offensively, they're not they're not elite. They're middle of the road. When you're middle of the road. You're going to go hot and cold. But here, down the stretch, what? This is such a good reference. I don't know if you guys remember the guy who was running for president. I don't know. This is something like yeah. Yeah, 20 years uh, ago or something now. We're going to go to Lubbock. We're going to go to Orlando. We're going to go to Dallas. And we're going to go to Houston. We're going to go to Norman. Then we're going to Kansas City and take a big twister. Was that McCain? No, it was. I, no. He did not last after that speech. I know. I can't remember who the hell was, though. Crazy. Howard Dean. Howard Dean. Dean, yeah. The scream that doomed Howard Dean. It, he was he was bound to fail. He was such a cornball. Even before that last little scream he put out, that 
I thought that was the corniest shit ever. Hey, but back then, man, people ate that shit up, though. It, it was yeah. a different landscape than it is now. 2004. Wow. They still do. Yeah. I just feel like the but, cornball, uh, cornball nation was a bit stronger back then. Great reference. Checked on. But also, you know, did, did you all let out a collective y'all after CMOS hit that game winner? I, I'd have to imagine. I did a couple claps and yell. Yeah! <laughs> Literally, that's probably all it was. Let's well, sleep and go! The baby was asleep, so I'm yelling into the crook of my arm here, like... <laughs> Mine was, was, was a silent yell, um, because I just, you know, maybe a slight tear down the cheek. I, these things, they're crazy. But, uh, the reason why I asked that was because I was wondering if, if you guys think that someone is, is emerging, someone that we've seen do similar things along these lines where, you know, yes, that happened one of 13 in that stretch, but the rest of the way they made six of their last seven shots. The the only missed shot was a somewhat ill-advised three by, by Dan Skillings with a, with about a minute left in the game. Um, but CMOS, Lukosius, he had a layup. He had a three that was in response to a big shot made. Uh, and, and one made by uh, Texas Tech where, you know, Warren Washington was switched on to him. Warren Washington was very sick in the game, supposedly, for uh, Texas Tech. And CMOS took full advantage, had, had some separation, hit that three top of the key. Then CMOS hit the game winner, as we all have mentioned. But, you know, it, it, it seems like CMOS, we, we've heard Wes talk about it, the, the confidence in his shooting needed. Um, you know, the whole team to shoot more confidently. I think we saw in this game the confidence really starting to pick up. I mean, it's getting there. He, he is at this point. I feel like we we it's not small sample size. I feel like probably I would hope well recovered from being hit by the car. Um, he's he's streaky. He, that is who he is at this point. Uh, I know that Chad's higher on him than I am. Um, I don't. I hope that the offense doesn't have to rely on him on a regular basis because it does feel good. I don't feel good when he's necessarily the guy at the end of the game. I, I feel better right now with other people, I guess. Um, but this was a good one. And so he, he was, he was due. I don't know that he has to be the guy that takes the shot, but he needs to be the guy with the ball in his hand. There's nobody close to his ability to to do all of the things yeah, to create, to get downhill, to pass, to shoot. Like they just don't. There's a reason he leads the team in plus minus by a significant margin, and it's because he's offensively he's he's better than everybody else in terms of his complete package offensively. Yeah, because Dan is just. Dan's more explosive, more athletic, more raw, but like in terms of pure offense, pure offensive skill. Um, right. See, this can do it, like everything. He can shoot the three. He can come off the dribble. He can back you down, turn around. Um, he can get in the lane and look to look to pass. And sometimes I think they're looking for those lobs that for some reason just cannot work when we have Aziz being so bad three. at throwing lobs. <laughs> and we have like the best so lob, bad. the best lob guy ever. Yeah. And it doesn't still doesn't work out. It is crazy. So bad how bad. At lobs. It, it it's wild. 
Um, I think there was like three or four where it was just a, a thrown up right at the basket and it just nailed off the off the backboard. Just just bad angles, I guess. I don't really know the science behind throwing the lob, but uh, yeah, something that they they definitely need a little bit of work on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean to your point, when when CMOS was able to break down the defense a little bit, he was able to find Aziz for a dunk in that final stretch as well. So kind of just the the shot creating the offensive flow really going through him. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Aziz, who was it? Was it Odie? Uh, I don't can't remember. The big man in the past couple of years where it was always like, should, we were talking about it. Just dunk it. Literally just go up, jump Ready. as high as you can, and just mm-hmm. slam the ball down as hard as your arms could possibly do it. Because yeah, that's chance, Odie's part just, of it. Yeah, snaps. Yeah, you'll. But that's what I want Aziz to do because he'll get down there. He'll get down right under the basket, and he's pump faking, pump faking. Just use that vertical and just hammer the ball at the rim as hard as you can, and you'll break these guys' wrists on the rim. He you doesn't have that kind of lower body strength, like his core. Yeah, I think like getting he off. He gets. Like, he gets put yeah. like he can. He he yeah. doesn't have that like. Jamil can jump through you and like dunk yeah. on you. Aziz just doesn't at this point yet have that like, and I don't know that he ever will like that that core lower body strength to drive through to you. Go, just, yeah, to go up and at the rim and through. He yeah, kind of tries to go up and he goes back and tries to yeah. shoot it because he gets hit. Yeah, I would think Jamil would probably be the one out of the two. I would say just dunk everything. Yep. He tries, for the most part. He just usually yeah, he can get his arm to the rim. Neil <laughs> is trying to dunk it. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I it seemed like he was a little timid for a couple of games, but but definitely recently in the past two games, he's really really stepped up that aggression again. Um, which leads us to another question that uh, obviously it's not everyone ha- can be on at the same time. It seems like with with the squad, but uh, it is a little strange, kind of this recent spell of games, stretch of games for uh for Victor Locken. It just seems like he's maybe it was the illness kind of still trickling along. Maybe it was, you know, a, who who knows what it is. It it just seems like he's been a little off. Uh obviously missed the UCF game due to the illness. Um was definitely seemed a little off during the uh, West Virginia game. I, I did love seeing him diving on the floor on Saturday at Texas Tech. That just shows kind of just the the fight and the grit that he was having. But it it does seem like I don't know. I don't don't want to use the funk word, but it, hey, no f words, no f words. <laughs> right? It does seem like Fuck. he's been this recent stretch a little rough. I mean, a lot of it, Brent. For me, at least, when I'm watching him, I think he's lost confidence from two. Like he, his footwork is not what it used to be. When he catches the ball, he's not decisive on on what he's going to do. It's like he's in his head. Yeah. And if his scoring from two is what opens up the other stuff. Yeah. And right now, he's barely ever even getting a shot off from two. I, I think people look like it, the natural thing to do. We we do this all the time. It's we can't watch like when Aaron and I talk about all the Big Twelve games. We're not physically going to be able to watch every minute of every Big Twelve game. So there is some necessity of like looking at the numbers and having the numbers tell you part of the story. Vic's not shooting a lot from two because he's not even getting a shot. 
like he's getting the ball in position. He's either turning it over or he's, he's giving it back up because he doesn't feel confident. Like he has got to hit a couple shots from two, a couple in the lane, his little one-handed hooks, something to get him back on track because that's going to open up everything else for him. Uh, as it is right now, he's he's just not a threat offensively at the moment at all. Two, three, one, doesn't matter. Seems a lot of games they try to get the ball in his hands very, very early. One of the first, if not the first possession, it seems they try to get it to him down low to try and do something like his little baby hook or, or whatever it is that he does down there. Um, so I'm with you. I, I I think that they're trying to build his confidence. It seems at least. The problem is, Aaron, they do that and he botches it. Yeah. And then his confidence is in the tank. Maybe they shouldn't him. go on to him on that first play. Maybe let him let, get into a rhythm a little bit. Maybe start Dan. Oh, that's that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I, we'll have I, it. I mean, we'll have it in a little bit. The last the last four games that he's played in, he's he's shooting sixteen point seven percent from the field. He hasn't made a three. Um, you know, he's he's over eight in that department. Uh, He's trickled in a little bit on some rebounds, five and a half. I don't know how much of the illness is lingering in the last two games. And it, it is kind of weird. It seems like all over college basketball, th these like illnesses are kind of hitting teams at certain times. It's and every year, Brent. It's every year in January and February, everybody gets sick. It, it's just how sick works in a team environment when you're with those guys in close proximity every right. day for six months. So right. the team is going to get sick at some point. Yeah, the fact that they came out of it with, you know, winning that game against UCF when it seemed like that was the kind of the game that had the most effect, maybe a little bit of the uh, Kansas game as well. But, yeah, um, would be interested to see kind of what the, you know, a full week of of kind of rest and, and you know, rearing up and getting ready for Houston throw out what, what sort of lineup to go up against Houston's two bigs that they normally throw out there to begin games as well. Be a lot of fun to uh to dive into and, and really take a look into it. Um but let's let's continue talking about this game real fast. Dan Skillings. Uh you know Tom Crean had some really nice things to say about Dan Skillings. Um but man Tom Crean responded to Keegan today. I know yeah gave a gave a little quote tweet little quote tweet told told Keegan. That's bullying. Quote tweeting people is bullying. Don't do it. But it, it was from Keegan quote tweeting your tweet that then quote tweeted again. Um, but yeah, Dan just it seems like he's really starting to come into his own uh, efficient wise. He still has those those head scratching times, but uh, man, um, just just what you guys saw out of Dan on Saturday that kind of just really just continues to explain how great he is and and how much he truly is scratching the surface, as Wes likes to say. The consistency is on the upswing. We we talked about this at the beginning of the season, didn't we? At what point was Dan going to become consistent? At what point of this increased role and, and being a go-to guy, did he stop with the wild swings of one game he's got 20, the next game he's got two? And it feels like we are at that point, or at least close to that point, where we're getting a lot less twos 
and a lot more 14s and 15s and 16s uh, mixed in with those occasional 25s. And that was always kind of the question for him. When did it start to slow down? And I think if you're watching Dan play, things are slowing down. He's not, he doesn't look like the Tasmanian devil out there anymore. I think Stetson is that answer when things started to slow down. Uh, he looks nah, more I was, confident. No, because he had he, his, he had games of like one or two after that. Aaron, he's not doing that anymore. His uh, he, he's he, he's got a motor that doesn't stop, much like Odie, uh, much like John. Uh, he's doing things on yeah. both sides of the ball. I mean, on, on, in this game, he had three blocks and a steal. Not just being a guy on the offensive side of the ball. Not just a guy trying to find the baseline, not just a guy settling for a three. He, he I think he truly means it. And I, I think that I, I have zero reason to believe otherwise uh, when he talks about it, when Wes talks about it, he likes being coached hard. And I think that that hard coaching coaching is finally showing up in spades. Yeah. I last four games, he's averaging 16 and a half points, uh, six rebounds, an assist, the block. He's he's just filling it all up. Thirty three percent from three. Um, just extremely efficient. Eighty five and a half from the free throw line. Can we talk about that ten out of ten from the free throw line, guys? I mean, what only ten. What's that? How about only only two in the first half and only ten for the game? <laughs> that that's when you have to hit all ten of them because you didn't yeah. get many chances. So I went back and looked. Uh, you guys knew I was going to do this. So last year, there was actually two games that the team went uh, a perfect from the line. One was four for four versus Detroit Mercy. The other was three <laughs> for three at Wichita State. Um, another crazy one is, do you remember that game versus Temple? They were 28 of 30 in that one. Yeah. That wild game at home. Uh, but you that, know, even further back. Trey Scott tip? No, 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 no. Just last year. This is past. Oh, okay, year. yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Twenty-eight to thirty. That was when like Damian Dunn was going off for who knows what, just crazy amount of points. But and then 2016-17, they were five for five against UCF. Got to go all the way back to 2005-2006, where they were more than just simply eight, eight for eight or higher. Uh, they were eighteen for eighteen against the Louisville Cardinals. That's a Pretty fun, fun little little stat to throw out there, but yeah, um, they, they all the all the free throws were crucial, and, and the fact like Vic hit a couple, Aziz hit hit what four? I I mean they were all backbreaking to Texas Tech. Those those fans hated us. I, I'll tell you that much. Every single thing was a boo. Every single thing. Did they hate but, us or did they hate the refs more? That's a good point. I think everybody hated the refs more. <laughs> Probably a mix of both. I, so, Chad, I want I want to hear your your basketball side, your basketball thoughts on on just Pop Isaacs and and his what he was doing to to draw these fouls, which I thought was just kind of just, I mean, the one he's like grabbing Josh Reed. I, it it's just, it's James Harden. It's that's exactly what it is. It's it's emulating the way James Harden plays basketball. I I don't like it. I think it's. I, I expressed my opinions on this Saturday night extensively. I think it's a, I think it's a soft way to play the game. I, I think it's, you know, 
you're catching and then trying immediately just trying to rip up through a hand. Yeah. Like you're not trying to shoot. You're not actually playing basketball. Like it's, it's soft. And yeah, that's what I, that's exactly what I said. Pop, he plays like a bitch. There, Some, somebody, somebody in the chat on Saturday night called him flop Isaacs. And I, I thought that was perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Gosh, like I, like he would go around screens, get get a handoff coming off the screen, and then just stop and and let whoever's following him bump into him, and then yeah, drive up some some BS shot. I I mean, it's just it's dirty basketball. But hey, man, if, if it gets you points, then it gets you points. Um, I I think there's certain ways that uh, you know I I think Berg mentioned you know Day Day Thomas learning a little bit from that because Day Day always seems to have a defender on his hip when he gets that first step. So. You know, um, kind of just use it to your advantage at time, but but that was. A little I don't want my guys playing top. like that. I don't want my guys playing like that. Yeah, just no. Play the game. I, like that one scrape through that you were talking about when, when like John was just like coming out of the timeout. Cream was just like that. This is just horrible. This is not yeah how basketball should be played. But it is what it is. Um, rebounding. I well first chat we'll, we'll talk rebounding and lead into your uh your your tweet that you sent out which is a pretty wild tweet um this this team is is rebounding it at a extremely high level uh the fact that at halftime I thought I thought they didn't rebound too well in the first half um I think it was knotted up at 16 apiece I mean they gave up too many offensive rebounds the entire game right oh yeah for sure for sure um but first half yeah it was it was 16 16 total rebounds um and then at, i tried to find offensive here but yeah offensive rebounds it was just eight in the first half for them yeah that's that's way too much um what do you think it is is it just the fact that they have so many players that can go in and and, and get a rebound with with their athleticism and their physicality adding in you know dan on top of everything that just kind of leads to how good this team is at, at rebounding the basketball Aziz is elite defensive rebounding, elite. Like, not kind of good, like great as a defensive rebounder. Dan is great on both ends um, because of his length and because of his effort. Uh, And and it's what we talked about a little bit before when we talked about their rebounding. They got guys that can rebound out of area. They've got guys that can go get it. They're not stationary. I'm going to block you out and I'm only going to get the rebound if it comes down in this specific quadrant. They got guys that can go get it. Um, You're starting to see a lot of like box out rebounds where there's two or three guys boxing out and then the guy that's free defensively comes in and gets the rebound and and can take it the other way. Um, And and some of it is just effort and scheme. Like they they send guys to the glass. They send numbers. And... They make it work. Um, it's it's fun to watch a UC team rebound like this. Oh, yeah. You know, like we, we've talked about it in the past. Like mixed teams were great offensive rebounding teams, and some of Hugs teams are like this too. But they weren't great defensive rebounding teams. No. Um, this, this team, as you pointed out, is one of the best teams in the country on both ends of the floor. Yep. That's how you stay in games when you're not good offensively. You defend and you rebound. You end possessions. Uh, on defense and you extend possessions on offense. And if you can do that, 
you got a chance to be to be in every game. Yeah, I I mean it's just it, it's crazy looking back on it. Historically, Cincinnati is is a dominant offensive rebounding team, as you mentioned. There's during the Ken Palm era, which goes back to 1998-99. It's there. There's six other teams, five other teams, five other Bearcat teams that have had a higher offensive rebounding percentage than the current team does. But this Bearcat team, by a wide margin, is the number one defensive rebounding team in the past, what, back since 1990? What's quick math there? In 25 years, past 25 years? So that's a, an alarming stat right there. Um, and a lot of it has to do with disease. I think a lot of it has to do with Dan. It, you know, you see Pops Isaac's shot there at the end, that you know, the potential game winner for them. That that took kind of a high bounce off off the rim, kind kind of an awkward bounce where you know it could, could land in Texas Tech Red Raiders' hands, and he lays it back up and in for the two, and they win. But Dan soared up, got the rebound, fired it up to John. What were you guys' shots on on, on John dunking that at the end? <laughs> I think it's probably the right move. Take the points, go up by three, put yeah. yourself in a position where you can't lose. Right. Um, you know, if, if you if you get fouled, you go to the line. You make one or two. There's still an opportunity for them to hit a prayer that wins. Yeah. Um, would I? You know, obviously, you would prefer if you knew for sure he could dribble out the clock, dribble out the clock. Right. But you don't know that for sure. So take the yeah. two. You know, he held up. He let it. You know, two or three seconds extra tick off the clock. Then got the dunk. Got the two points. Uh, I mean, look, man, Pop Isaac. If that ball is six inches farther. They go to overtime, and my goodness, I thought that was money. I, I mean, it looked it looked like it was money. <laughs> it was right online. I was nervous, but I agree. Yeah, take take the shirt too. You don't want to gamble either. Even draw, you know, dribbling away, and then all of a sudden you get your pocket picked or something. I I, don't know. I think it was smarter to just take the uh, take the good too. But yeah, big rebound by Dan. But you know, it, the the rebounding differential as well. They're ninth in the country. Averaging about nine and a half, nine point eight re- rebound margin. Um, Big Twelve, they're they're number one in the Big Twelve. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's gonna be hard to sustain these numbers throughout the rest of the way because you're facing Big Twelve teams and then whatever postseason throws at you. So, but the the fact that they're able to put the put up these numbers is credence to just how good they are on the boards, uh, and it's pretty widespread too. Um, you know, numerous players getting double doubles, numerous pro- players hitting the glass hard. Uh, it's it's a it's a joy to watch, and they beat you up too. Which Chad, I'm going to bring up your tweet that you sent out. Um, every team that Cincinnati has played in the Big Twelve has lost their their following game. That's a, that's a insane stat. It's the physicality. I mean, it's it's it, you're you're worn out after playing the Bearcats. And then you got to turn around and play. And part of it is also you're playing another great team. Right. Every time. Yeah. So, you know, that that's some of it. But, you know, I mean, it ain't easy. And, and this is what we all, like, if you're a UC fan, this is what you want your team to be. It's what you want your team to look like. And Wes Miller has them looking like, a vintage Cincinnati team, oh, yeah. which is a good thing. Absolutely is. Aaron. All right. Let's 
What, okay, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, nah, I was just going to ask Aaron what his, what his thoughts on the vintage uh, vintage Bearcats and and how they're going to look up against the Houston Cougars coming on Saturday. Still nervous about Houston. That's, that hasn't changed just because you upset Texas Tech and Lubbock. Uh, Houston's had Cincinnati's number the last several years. Uh, despite, I think, I think it's going to be a far closer game than some of the recent games have been over the course of the last few years, but uh, I'd be lying if I said that I felt confident that Houston coming in off a loss. Well, they're going to be coming in off a win. Well, unless Oklahoma State pulls off. The Aaron, let's, joke. Not get, let's not get crazy here. Calm down. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, I'm still nervous. I don't, I don't feel great. Yeah. I'm starting to feel better the more you look at Houston. Right. They are so reliant on the jump shot. And Cincinnati is a team that has defended the perimeter well and is great defensive rebounding. So if you can make it tough for Houston from the perimeter, and they're one of the lowest teams in the country, not just power five teams, Lowest teams in the country in number of points scored at the rim. They do not have drivers. They do not have, you know, post guys that they can throw it to. They rely heavily on their defense and their jump shooting. And, uh, I mean, sure, th their defense is going to be elite. It's what they do, um, except for against Kansas, where it looked like Kansas was running 5 on zero. And but, knock it down uh, every open shot. Yeah. I mean, they got they got whatever they wanted, oh, yeah. which you don't see often on Houston. But I don't know. I, I mean, is Houston the favorite? Yeah. Should they be? Yeah. Does Cincinnati have a chance? Yeah. I think they do. Yeah. I, I mean, they're they're one of the slowest teams in the country. They're, they're adjusted tempos. They're, they're 352nd in adjusted tempo. Um I, that that plays in favor of Cincinnati where, you know, they can rebound after stops. Yes, they want to get out and run a little bit offensively, but if you're going to really buckle in for a full defensive set and then Houston's going to try to throw something up and get an offensive rebound, well, there's Cincinnati with, with one of their best, you know, defensive rebounding marks in quite a while. Um, LJ Cryer, uh, he's, he's a jump shooter. Uh, you know, you look – all the way up and down Jamal Shed. He he can get in the lane, but he's a jump shooter. Yeah. Um, you look up at how the roster is still. Emmanuel Sharp, that's a jump shooter. Uh, Damian Dunn, we, we're very familiar with him during his his days with Temple. And then you've got he's not having guy. a good year. No, he's not really at all. Um, he's kind of more of like a defensive guy, you know, an extra yeah. body throw in there. You know, they 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 obviously lost uh, to an injury. Um, Terrence Arsenault, who's kind of that creator that can you know the pro potential guy you know aaron you mentioned javier francis he's only six eight he's he's aggressive um he's long he, he can block shots but you know Jawan roberts isn't stepping out and hitting threes like like fabian white and and bigs of the past did especially jarris walker last year it just seems like it's a it's a different type of houston yeah they're going to suffocate you defensively absolutely there's no doubt um but Kind of just the the added oomph, uh, you know, uh, like Matt Lanham saying, 
Put Dede on Shep. Put Newman on Cryer. You put Seamoss on, you know, just lock them down. I, I think it's going to be a good game. And I think that place is going to be bumping. I think the win against Texas Tech did nothing but really propel the fan base to light that place up. Um, it's neon day. So rock your, rock your fluorescence. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. It's just wear black, red, black. Just go Should red, go black, go Bearcats, fight, fight, fight. Should have been a blackout game. Roy, you got a prediction? Where, where does it say go fuchsia, go uh, neon green, none of that. Wow. What if we busted out some Jordan neon jerseys? <laughs> Don't even get me started on the, on the dumbass uh, color schemes for big games. Somebody like, wake up, Royer. Out, I'm up, man. I'm up. I'm letting you guys <laughs> chop it up. Trying to get some tickets to this game on Saturday. Looking at <laughs> Talk to Big Daddy next to me. See, see, you can. <laughs> Whoa, what? Who? <laughs> Who's he talking about? <laughs> Look, I already got so, uh, somebody that makes me responsible for getting t- two tickets to every game. So, <laughs> where's your thin these days? Um. Uh, Royer, thoughts on thoughts on Saturday, up, uh, real quick before we start ripping. I think it's if they if they really want to turn the corner and make a beeline for this tournament, I think this is the game that's really going to stick out. It's can you string two big wins together at home? It's probably going to be the best environment I think that um, the new fifth third has seen since its opening. Um, I think you got to feed off that, and, and you got to win. I, I'm feeling confident in them. Like you said, Brent, that me and you were back to, uh, backing each other up last week. They just keep getting closer and closer to Aaron's demise. <laughs> um, I think the Bearcats are going to come out, and, and they're going to they're gonna fight all game. It might not be a perfect game, but I think they're going to be in it, and they're going to have a chance to win. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't know if I want to go out and – Make a make a bold prediction, but I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a really good game. So yeah. I don't want to jinx the boys. Don't don't want to jinx the boys. I I just got two last things to say. First off is is the fact that Houston has lost three games on the road, one at Iowa State, one at TCU, and then of course at Kansas on Saturday. And then of course, there's something to remember in college basketball this year. AP top 25 teams are, are 67 and 64 against unranked opponents, the lowest winning percentage since at least the 2009-2010 season. And then top 10 teams have had it worse on the road, going 25 of 29 against unranked opponents, a winning percentage of 463. And the previous low in the past 15 years was 623 in 2020-2021. So it's not extremely far-fetched to say a uh, top 10 team going on the road how about, and losing. How about this, Brent? We, we did this exercise, half of this exercise before the show. I saved the good part, Aaron. Big, the, the top five yeah. teams in the league, Kansas, Houston, Baylor, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Two of those teams, Cincinnati plays at Fifth Third Arena in the next nine days. Mm-hmm. They are 19 and two at home. 19 and two 
at home. Yep. What do you think those five teams are on the road? Five hundred. No. Less than five hundred. Less than five hundred. Wow. Oof. Got to, anybody got a guess? There's been twenty-one games. These two, these five teams have played twenty-one games on the road. Take yeah. a stab in the dark. Nine and twelve. I, I, I'm going to go 8 and 13. Royer? You're muted. You're 7 still... and 14. Brett nailed it. 8 and 13. Damn. Kansas, 1 and 3 away from home. Houston, 2 and 3 away from home. Baylor, 2 and 2 away from home. Pay attention to this one. Iowa State, one and three on the road. <laughs> one and three on the road. Uh, and then Texas Tech, as we know, three and one uh, at home and two and two on the road. Welcome to so, the Big East. Uh, Big 12. Big East. Big 12, baby. Welcome to the <laughs> Big, Big 12. Yeah, Big East sucks. Fucking freaking. Oh, I'm so tired of hearing the, the the chumps across town chirp. They are the fourth. They are the number four team in Ken Palm in the Big East. They would be eleventh in the Big Twelve. Shut up. Yeah, their their Shut best up. win. Their best win was against a team that was well. Their best win on paper is against a team that was absolutely horrendous in November and December. I like right horrible. Shut up. But that, let's hang our hat on it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Golly. Right. But yeah, that, that, the Houston and Iowa State. This is a big week, and then we'll be here in between uh, the the two games. We'll be back next Monday, but those two teams yeah. are what three and six on the road in Big Twelve play. Yeah, I'm just saying, you're playing good basketball. Mm -hmm. Things are rounding into form. You're starting to find a little bit more consistency. Go win one or two of these games. You're going to be the healthiest that you've been probably. What? It, I'm not going to make any predictions on it, but certain someone returns or not, but the healthiest the rest of the team has been since probably the beginning of the year. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah. How, how perfectly this aligned to a win at Texas Tech. You get a whole week off. Get ready, recoup, fire up. Place is gonna be rowdy. Standing room only tickets are only left. As I, I mean, yeah. Bring in the Cougars. We are used to the Cougars. Kelvin Sampson adjusted his play style to beat Bearcat teams. It's about time that the Bearcats remind him uh, exactly who they are. You know, I, it, it, they've got close. They, they've kept on pushing. I don't see a Jairus Walker on that on that Houston team right now, though. I don't. Um, I don't see a baby white who can shoot from the outside. I don't. I don't see a Quentin Grimes. I. I see a team that you got to really just buckle in and defend. And if there's one one thing this this Bearcat team can do, that's that's buckle in and defend. So we'll see. They're also really good at letting somebody who we never expected to emerge as a star in a game. So yeah, maybe this is the Damian Dunn game. Damian fucking Dunn. <laughs> going I, I off mean, for 
25 and and 5 and 5 David Dunn. Like he never left. Yeah. yeah. And he had 34 at fifth third in that 88-83 win loss last year for them. 4 of 11 yeah. from 3. 12 of 14 from the free throw line. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's a team that did not have John Newman, though, in fairness. Right. Man, John Newman, the warrior. We didn't get to highlight him enough, but you guys did already. The absolute warrior, John Newman. Shouts to him. And he's so timely with his responding buckets. So timely. But, I think uh, that might be the perfect nickname for him. The warrior. Like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The music hits. Running down to the ring, he jumps in the ring, shaking all the ropes like this. Crazy hair. I had a, I actually had a, a, a TikTok pop up yesterday or today that that's why the Warriors fresh in my mind. It was, uh, it was Hulk Hogan against Sid Vicious. Okay. And um, the Ugandan Nightmare or whatever the hell his name was came out to help Sid Vicious. Because WrestleMania is like one of the it's one of the first WrestleManias. And they the music hits of the warrior outlandish names. Out. Yeah. <laughs> the warrior just flies out from the back. Like that that should be John's thing. They should put him all the way in the back, like during introductions, and introduce him last. And they play the warrior music, and he's got the, the armbands on. The hair's all going crazy. Just neon. For, I mean. Neon night, right? Neon head to toe. What better way for neon night? You get him a warrior mask, one of the face masks. Yeah. Blast that EDM. <laughs> Place going to be jumping. Place Papa Shango, jumping. that was the one. Mania 8. That's scary oh. that you know that right off the top of your head, Top G. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's WrestleMania 8. Sid Vicious and uh, Papa Shango. Uh, against Hogan and, and got saved by the Warrior. Yeah, shouts to the I, I'm not a big wrestling guy, so shouts to people that have that 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 brain for that. But uh, yeah, Brian Johnson, good movie. Um, yeah, hey, you know what? If, if they win the rebounding battle on uh, on Saturday, I think things would will be tilting their their way quite a 45, 35, 75, Brent. I think that is this team's key to victory. 45% from the floor, 35% from three. I might even lower it to 70, but I'll say 75% from the line. 45, 35, 75 is the winning formula for this team. That's not even that great. That's no. very average. <laughs> that's that's so the Brian. That's the whole fucking point I've been trying yeah, to make all season. Rebound. Yeah, they're I within. Know. They're within two points in games where they shot 38, 22, 50. Like I know, it's just hilarious. Like our recipe to winning is to being slightly average. below average. <laughs> just be no, just right at average. Just the most average fucking thing you've ever seen. If they can just do that on offense, be just yep. average, they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, rebounding, elite. A lot. Of, I I kept on looking like the last 
however so many years, every every Power Five team that has been in the top ten in rebounding margin has has made the NCAA tournament. And I, I had to stop counting because it was so many years that it rang true. So uh, Cincinnati sitting there in the top ten right now is. Uh, hey, I got another stat for you, Brett. I'm I'm all for the stats. The Bearcats have played nine Big Twelve games. How many of those games were against teams that were ranked at the time? Uh, six. Seven. Seven. And yeah, if you extrapolate eight. that oh, down yeah. the stretch. UCF and West Virginia. UCF, yeah, and, UCF West Virginia, and West Virginia yeah. are the only teams that weren't ranked at the time UC played them. Yep. If you look at the next nine, UCF's not going to be ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma State. State is not going to be ranked. Oklahoma State is not going to be ranked. West Virginia is not going to be ranked. Yep. There's a chance TCU is not ranked. Right. There's Oklahoma. a chance Oklahoma yeah. is not ranked. So yeah. if you're using that, which I know there's way better things to use. There's RPI. They're not RPI. There's and, the Kencom um, and BPI and, and all the other, the, the net, all the other things right. that are used now. But just on the surface, seven of your first nine were against ranked teams. There's a pretty damn good chance at least five of your second nine aren't going to be ranked. The path to the tournament is there. Yeah. Go win the games. Yep. Yeah. I You know, because the, the fact is this as well. I've, I've been doing a lot of bracketology because, you know, I'm, I'm a little insane. And so – uh the, in the membrane, yes, exactly. And the uh, the amount of just like BS quad two games that these BS conferences have, where they're playing a road team that's like 122nd in the net, and it's considered a quad two game, is just it, it's insane. So, this is the time where Cincinnati can start to get some of those easier quad one slash quad two games, um, against teams that aren't ranked, you know. It, it, They've got two quad one A wins, which is outstanding. It, it, there aren't many teams out there that have that many quad one A wins, so it's uh, it's time that they start to, to to fill in the the cracks with some of these other games where you know they're right on the cusp of quad one quad two. So if you just keep on winning, tournaments right there in sight. So right. it's going to be exciting. Quad stretch. one quad one A road wins. Yeah, not yeah. just quad one A wins like at Fifth Third Arena. Right, right. Well, they got a chance for for two of those in the next two games. Um, yes, at Fifth Third Arena, though. So, see what happens. Uh, so, anything more, Houston, or recap and test tech? Big win, massive. Should win. we bring this? Should we bring this back uh, in the? Because this is a great question. Steamboat Savage WrestleMania three, the greatest match ever. No, no, it's a great one. The greatest match ever, I don't think, is uh, is even really in question for me. I know, right off the top of my head, without thinking, the best match I've ever seen. Okay. Anybody? Anybody? Asking the wrong man. <laughs> I don't know shit. Oh, you know, as soon as I say this, what I'm gonna, what I'm, what I, what I'm talking about. HBK. No. Undertaker, Mick Foley, Hell in a Cell. When Undertaker threw him off the top 
and then threw him through the cell and his teeth came out of the front of his face and Mick Foley finished the match and was literally broken, like literally broken in half. That's the greatest match of all time. Okay. And then the first ever TLC. I thought it was pretty funny when uh, that that meme where Vince McMahon runs onto the ring and like instantly like tears both quads running into the <laughs> into the ring. Pretty pretty funny meme. Shane has done that too. Shane like tore but like tore a, a ligament like soon as he got into the ring for like a, a mania like one of the big matches. <laughs> Anyhow, pretty insanity. Best WWE match. Cats versus Cougars Saturday at Fifth Third Arena. Oh, Let's yeah. go. Skrillex in the background. Yeah. Z-Keep, are you new? Are you well, a new well, one? Yes, now. Aaron, is that a newbie? Are we familiar with Z-Keep? I'm not familiar with Z-Keep. 303. Let's timestamp. All right. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. You want to introduce the riff in chat? Uh, we don't have a read yet, so okay. I, I'm still in communication on that. Uh, but uh, we'll officially kind of throw it out there. This is uh, New Riff in with Royer. Brought to you by our soon-to-be new friends at New Riff Distillery in Newport, Kentucky, right uh, in the same parking lot as the party source. Uh, I will have more details for you and maybe even a little, maybe even a little deal to go get a, a tour. Of the distillery, oh. maybe a little a little Bearcat Journal special to go check the place out. So uh, yeah, that's coming. We're not there yet, but uh, finalizing the process. That's the that's Royer. When, that's when ripping uh, with Royer turns into ripping with Royer. We'll, have, we'll head no. over to Party Source too. Grab a couple kegs. Bring them over to the old Jefferson House. Throw them back like good old times. <laughs> we we should just set up like in the lawn of the Kelsey's old house for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm, Could you I'm, imagine I'm that it, house? The you Kelsey's, know? Caleros, D Wolf. I would have loved to witness. I would have. You'd have just slept really on the couch every night, night, wouldn't you? I'm surprised they didn't <laughs> have to like tear that house down when those dudes got done with it and start over. <laughs> Ryan, I think uh, I heard I heard a rumor that one of Sherry's kids lived in that house like later. Which one? Sherry Murray lived in the Kelsey's house, the, the Kelsey oh, Caleros Wolf I house. I, ne I never met. I never met um, Sherry's, Sherry's kids. Yeah. No. Baseball guy, right? Played baseball here. I'm not sure. I think he did. I think he transferred back here and played like his last season. Oh, and then he hit the home run in his last yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Good mm -hmm. for him. That was really cool. I think he lived in the Kelsey's night. house. Condemned. Okay. No, torn down, Brian. Forget condemned. Like, they just had to set it on fire. 
and start over. Like now, like they they had the fire department come out for one of those training sessions. Now they do that. They 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 just burn the house down and have them practice putting it out. <laughs> yeah. I, All right, rip from Lathroyer. Let's rip it. <laughs> All right, let's get ripping, boys. Um, so first, I got two basketballs, one football. You know, because I okay. did watch the game, so recency bias my brain was able to think of some good basketball things for once um first question will Vic ever return to early season form yes okay here's one thing that I am insanely confident about with Wes Miller Ryan is that he get he keeps guys locked in and he has enough trust and belief in them that they get back on track Kalua Zekpe, ring a bell, anybody? Odio Guama, uh, who had basically lost all of his minutes and then when called upon, was able to come back and, and make an impact and, yeah. and help lead them to a big win. Um, I, I just feel like the way that Wes does things resonates with guys and they always seem to get back on track. You know, Dave struggled for a little while last year. Um, and then got going. Landers had a little bit of a slump uh, and then really turned it on. So uh, I have the utmost confidence that as Vic gets back to 100%, locked in, um, I think he will get back on track. I do. I think he's shown too much skill just in general. You don't just lose it. He's not one of the athletes on space jam where the monsters came and <laughs> stole his fucking power uh he's and he's a little low and i, I think Don't he say also the f knows, word i didn't Aaron, uh, Aaron, that so funny because knows... i because i texted my group i was like i was like i, I think the monsters stole the talent from vic over the last couple of games that is hilarious but i i think he's in a low line i think he also knows he's got to know that there's guys on this roster Dan, that are chomping for minutes. And with CJ returning, if you're not producing, and right now, truthfully, he's not producing on the offensive side. He's done a little bit defensively, but even still, he seems a little off there as well, um, not producing as, as much as other guys on the team. Then I, I think that your minutes are something that, that can, can be lost. And I think that I think he's smart enough to know that. Yeah. So I, you're saying that the threat of losing minutes, you think will motivate them even more because then that sparks into my head, like, Oh, I'm not playing good. And now I'm not playing as much. So it might make him want to force it even more when he's in there. That, that would make me more nervous of that happening to him. I don't think that, I, I think that it's going to work itself out one way or the other. It's either going to be that he improves and his minutes don't go anywhere or he continues where he's at and the minutes just go away. His minutes, Vic's minutes have gone down. Yeah, he only had 17 in this last game. But yeah, I think that again with, with CJ, it should, you know, whenever CJ Frederick comes back, um, and with Jameel playing a little bit better, uh, Dan playing out of his out of his mind, uh, I think that minutes are kind of a scarcity right now. You've seen Josh Reed's minutes table off. You've seen Vic starting to lose some of those minutes. I don't know how much of this is because he was sick the last couple of games or, or if it's just production, but 
one way or the other. Like I said, I think it's going to work itself out. The, the other thing, though, Aaron, is it's one of the things that's nice about having options, right? Sure. Because yeah. if the guy doesn't have it, you don't have to ride him for 28 minutes like right. a team like Kansas does. You know, like they've got five guys. If one of their guys isn't on his game, he's still going to play 30 minutes. So, yeah. Um, I mean, kind of along the lines of what you guys are saying, I, I'm agreeing with you. It, well, the last two games, Vic did play 18 minutes at West Virginia, 17 minutes at Texas Tech. He came into that game averaging 27 minutes per game on the year, so about 10 less. Uh, I think that has to do with a little bit of a you know tough stretch that he's had. But I, I mean, you just look at his his games last year. You know, you you, you look at you know Houston. He had 14 and nine. Uh, pardon me, 16 and six, uh, Memphis game. He had 22 and 10, another Houston game. He had 15 and five. Uh, then you look at even the early big 12 games this year, uh, at BYU, he was 17 and seven because Texas, he was 17 and four. Um, so I, I don't think it's really where he's kind of struggling to, to his talent wise. I think it's just that little stretch where he's got to bounce back i i think he's going to be fine down the rest of the stretch i think he's got to get over that hump maybe seeing a shot or two fall in from close range will probably help because I, I think the first shot he had against west virginia that hit off the backboard super hard and, and like i said like chad said seems like it kind of probably affected him a little bit but i love seeing him dive on the floor against texas tech uh that yep. that shows me that he's locked in for lack of a better term. So um, I think he'll be back. I agree. It just, it, it continue. It's happened so many times already just in the past two years where we've seen the, a guy come out of a funk and all the, uh, Dan, we've seen it with Dan. We're starting to see it right now with CMOS. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it's, it's the way that everybody, loses their mind about let's well, gotta hold guys accountable gotta hold them accountable gotta bring them over to the bench you gotta bench them you gotta yell at them bench them and yell at them hold them accountable well instead he lets his guys find some confidence he coaches them at the appropriate times to get better and we've seen them improve in the areas that were causing them problems to get them back on track yeah. Dan's not playing wild and out of control anymore. Right. He's playing a lot more under control. Guess what happens when he plays a lot more under control? He's 14, 15 point a night, Dan, instead of three, three, three a night, Dan. We've seen that percentage shrink. We've seen 14 point Dan, the, the percentage increase. Is there still going to be a game or two this year where Dan scores under 10? Yeah, probably. Because he's not all the way there yet. He hasn't reached the height of his superpowers yet. But the consistency is getting there. And I think the consistency will return with Vic. I do. And if not, he'll play 16 minutes. We're gonna Somebody else will play more. And yeah. you've got two high-level bigs that can fill in those times. Yeah. I think we need his we need his offense down the stretch to really I agree. lock in these wins if we really want to make the tournament. He's just a whole nother. <laughs> Do it again. All right, you mentioned CMOS, um, leading me leading me right into my next question. 
how how close can CMOS inch to um, MVP of the team conversation? Do you think he can ever like get there? Not this year. Not this year? You think it's kind of just be um, John Newman's still on the team, right? Yeah. Okay, then he can't get there. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're getting at, but John yeah. Newman's on the team. He ain't getting there. Okay, how about um, overtaking Dan? Make it a little bit fairer. I think because he's so much more heady and skilled with the ball, he can. Um, the one thing I the, – the, 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 the thing that probably will keep Dan ahead of him – in an overall sense is that Dan's just so elite on the glass for a wing for really a two guard. Like Dan's a two guard. Dan is not a three or a four. Dan's a two. And um, to have a two that can rebound like that is special. It, it just changes. Brent, I, I think that's the answer to what's different about this team than any team we've seen. Who's the last guard like Dan that you remember that rebounds like him? I was actually thinking about that, like like Jaquan maybe. Um, Jaquan played the four. four. Yeah, right. Uh, like he had to rebound. They put him in a position where rebounding was was a necessity. Yeah. Well, well, that was just that one year, and then his senior yeah. year, it was it was T Rub and uh, yeah, and JJ um, and Sheck Mooge. But uh, yeah, I, I I mean the the way that Dan's able to go up, it, and then Day Day when when Day Day gets a rebound, he he. Uses all of his athleticism as well. John is just super physical and athletic. Uh, CMOS obviously has his times where he struggles a bit on the boards, but IMAC was a good rebounder, Brian. I don't know that he was, I don't know that he was as impactful as Dan because of Dan's length, right? Well, IMAC is a dog, though. Don't don't get me wrong. And then you hear uh, IMAC fan appreciation podcast from 25 years ago, and his rubles was not a guard. No, no, man. His uh, how about his first half against Memphis though? His on senior. I, I, I mean, the running joke was he well. couldn't score that he couldn't score that many points in an empty gym if you gave him two hours, right? And he, and he, he went. We had off. what 20, 20 something, almost thirty at halftime, oh, going off, <laughs> hitting threes. I was like, whoa, but uh, but yeah, I, I think Dan's obviously a huge catalyst into the rebounding. But Royer, I think. Uh, something that Wes also alluded to with CMOS is the fact that with CJ being out, CMOS has had to shoulder the extra burden of being the three-point shooter on the team, being the guy that you, you tell, hey, you got to shoot more. You got to up your volume. Um, and then CMOS, as Wes also said, all of his misses were just so close, you know, just one centimeter here, one centimeter there. Well, you're starting to see a little bit in the second half of the West Virginia game, and then especially during this past Texas Tech game, uh, water is starting to find its level a little bit with CMOS. Those, the shots are falling through. Um, I I think just his overall impact, where the offense is just so much better with him on the court, and then kind of that dog that he's starting to bring a little bit out there as well. I saw, saw him chirping with, with Texas Tech. Uh, just kind of love seeing that. Um, and when you have – other players on the team that can kind of pick up for the somewhat deficiencies you have, whether it be defense or rebounding, then you can really go out there and just maximize your role. And I think when CJ comes back, you're going to see an even higher level CMOS because you can be able to break down a defense, kick out to an open three-point shooter in CJ Frederick that can knock him down. Day-Day starting to get confidence on the shot as well. So 
yeah, I think I think CMOS will get up there, but I think Dan's just scratching the surface, man. I, I, I Dan's Dan's scary good. Um, so we'll see. I think I think you touched on it there at the end. The things that concern me, Brent, with CMOS is the fact that he gives up a ton of rebounds um, offensively. Like he, he gives up offensive, too much. He gives up offensive rebounds. Um, defensively at times he's a liability out there and until he starts putting some of those things together i don't think you can call him mvp he could be potentially an outstanding offensive player but yeah. right right now just as far as mvp talk goes I, I think that you have to be able to contribute something defensively more so than what what his contributions thus far have been um and uh, as far as rebounding goes you can't just keep giving up these offensive rebounds to the other team that are just silly. No. Silly Willie. Royer. Take it away. Y'all ready for the last question? All right. Um, this is the football. It's a little more open-ended. Not a true hard question, but I just feel like I was texting you guys early when the schedule dropped for football. You look at the first six games, you're like, how are we not in, in a good spot? you know, headed into the second half of the year. And I was talking to my roommate today too, just about football because he keeps up on the Bearcats. And we're both just kind of like saying like, why do we feel like we're just going to be like wait a lot better next year in terms of we're going to be sitting at a a better record. We should be pushing a, a bowl game, if not like that seven, eight win range. But like, we really have no real reason to think that outside of maybe the sores be, but like, what do you think that kind of like positive momentum is coming from? Or if there is, if you don't agree with that, maybe it's just me being overly optimistic. I I think it's because they, that one, they did a really good job establishing a core, a a leadership group, uh, a group of guys that care, a group of guys that are invested. Um, I think that's critical. I think there were, there were too many guys pulling in too many different directions last year. And as long as they are able to maintain what appears to be a situation where they've got an established core that care and they're pulling in the right direction, I think you can feel good about that. And then I think you can look at what they did in the portal and say they made the roster better. How much better? We don't know. But I think there is you know, a, a pretty confident feeling that they they took the board and addressed what the board said they needed to address. Um, and I think that makes you feel good about things. I feel good about the DC. I really do. Like I I feel good about having a guy that knows this league inside and out. I mean, I, you look at that, and it's – I mean, I, I looked at it. My first maybe somewhat insane take is if we just beat UCF, we're 6-0 and because – oh, is that – I don't remember that Texas Tech game being in there. Is that at yeah. Texas Tech? Texas Tech at – yeah, go back to Lubbock. Yeah, that'll be hard. It's hard. I think I agree. I love with our that. commitment to the bit. I really do. I love our commitment to the bit. Oh, it's it is it is a bit to a to a max right now. Um, 
But no, I I think with Chad, the whole thing is is the, the whole core building is the fact that yes, we, we harped on so much how many games where the statistics were in Cincinnati's favor, where you know that one of the best rushing teams in the country, one of the best overall yardage, time of possession, first downs, all this, that, and the other. Um, I don't think there's that we necessarily need to place all blame on on one position this or whatever. So, but you know, if, if Soresby comes in and just shows the ability to finish drives, shows the ability Not suck. to to. to <laughs> Make make the throws that are right there and available. You're returning an offensive line that produced great rushing yardage, that that produced yeah. positive impacts. You now have a fueled anger to really go and beat Miami. You welcome in a Houston team that you won your first Big Twelve game, an only Big Twelve game against. You welcome them in with the first year head coach. You I, Pittsburgh I'd be better if they still had Dana. What's that? I'd probably feel better if they still had Dana. Right, right, right. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm with you, Royer. I, it's it's more of a situation where Ryan, you add all these pieces. I think it just strengthens what was already there. What's your read on if they're four and two through the first six? Four and two at the halfway point. I think that's fine. I, you know. I don't want us to lose to UCF because I I don't think that they're that much better than us. I don't think they're that much better of a program. Um, you don't want to lose to them because former teammates are on that team. Yes, that too. You have the the two <laughs> our two starting defense players transferring over there, and it's almost, it was almost kind of like a slap in the face by them too. I feel like they. They like targeted them, and they kind of, the way they kind of promoted it too. Um, I think some of that also went on the players as well. They were a part of that, but just kind of like yeah, like we're just gonna take your guys. It's kind of funny how we're gonna take your guys, and they're gonna kind of think it's funny too, right? And, and then and then we're gonna come beat you. Yeah, and you know I just think that'd kind of be like they they view us as like a wounded dog right now, and they're they're trying to pile on some. Uh, wins in a row on us. Is that uh, game down there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. But I think that's I think that's you got to find a way to win that game. If you win that game, you're sitting. If if, if you lose that, there's no way we're losing to fucking Miami again. I, I don't. Not not a, not a chance. I'll go out there and, and state that one. I'll put my I'll put my it, balls on the line. <laughs> I think Pitt's critical. Yeah. For if not because it's Pitt, but because this team won one game at Nippert Stadium last year, the FCS game. Yeah. You have got to reestablish that this is a place people don't want to come play. Yeah. And <clears throat> if you go, you know, they had they had the, the advantage of seven home games last year. They went one and six. One yeah. and six. And I think Pitt's going to be better than they were. They were so bad last year, but I don't know I mean, if they're going to be like Red Bull. tight end play quarterback. Their, their caliber by week two. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hoping. I'm hoping there be we're going to still be a little bit of bad Pitt in them, and then the the Pitt of usual will kind of be out um, after the halfway point for them, and they'll have a better year. But my prediction is not week two. They're still figuring it out. So you have to go win that game. You have to. 
Yeah. You have right. to establish that Nippert Stadium is a tough place to play. Like for me, I think that game, Ryan, for this program going forward, I think that pit game is the UCLA game in the Rose Bowl. Hmm. I like that comparison. I was you have say to set that. a tone. Yeah. You have to set the tone that we're not to be trifled with. That at Nippert Stadium, we stand on business. And you got to beat Miami by three touchdowns. <laughs> at least, yeah, exactly. You got to pair that up in the next week. Brent, I didn't There's get a. No, I thought I'd, I thought I thought I'd get a better reaction from "We Stand on Business" from you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just locked in on the Miami game. It's just I just keep <laughs> going. That fucking M. Going back to your question, Ryan. Um, just I, I think that you feel better about the schedule, especially the first six games, because. And I'm I'm shocked that you, as much as you've talked during this segment, that you haven't already touched on this. But I think you have to feel better about the culture of this team and where they're at. And I think you you kind of were dancing around it, but you never quite got to that point. Um, but the the culture that they've established right now with the leaders that they put in place, with the team building that they're doing right now, and we're starting to see some of that trickle out onto social media with uh, the teams that are winning the weeks as, as this. Sp- as we approach spring ball, um, I think that changing some things up as far as personnel went, um, where Brian Brown's no longer here, you have a guy who's here first time, a little bit more hungry. Maybe we're going to see some more of that simplifying things down and starting to see more of the aggression as opposed to just thinking that we're going to keep continuing to do the same thing we did at Louisville and it's going to work because that's what we did and it worked there. Uh, I just think that you're going to see a lot more attention to detail because they're not worried about putting a new team together and having their first year in the Big 12 and having their first year at Cincinnati and all these things that were first, 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 first. And now you're going to see some continuity and you're going to see some able to build on some things. And that, again, gets back to some of that culture stuff that you always are talking about. So I, I think that's why you probably, of all of us, feel better about things than you did last year is because of the culture that they're going to be able to instill and it's going to really be Satterfield's team, but not just his team, but also these players team. Yeah, that, that is a great point. And I agree with you. And, you know, we always talk about college football as a copycat league with like offense specifically, but it's the same thing in the weight room. Like there is a formula that on how you, how you build a culture doesn't guarantee that, the kids are going to respond to it and they're going to do it and they're going to embrace it. But there is a certain formula that the best of the best in the strength community utilize that's been proven. It's been tried. um, And it gets kids to buy in. It it builds cultures. And what I'm seeing out of Nico, look at the guys Nico has been around Um, the people he's worked with, worked under and played with. And it's, it has all the makings of what Cincinnati football is. And I think now it's, I think it took them a year to kind of figure out like what Cincinnati's all about, what this team needs. And I think now you, this type of stuff he's doing, it's like, it just brings me flashbacks to not only what I did when I was on the team and in the early years, when it was time to rebuild that whole motherfucker up from the ground and but you saw in the same scenarios with the other programs he's been involved involved with. You look at the Michigan State, 
look at Ohio State, when those programs were really kind of reestablishing their brand and kind of like a tougher, nastier style where they kind of took that next step, not only against uh, their they're taking next steps against teams in the Big Ten, but next steps against teams outside the Big Ten and the SEC where they're winning up front. They're playing good-ass defense. I think it all started from this similar off-season training style, the 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 attention training shit, the mat drill shit. Like, the, 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 he's got the crews. So what he's doing is, if you saw on his um, – the whiteboard and that strong will rain – uh it was it was about seals i can't remember if it was the acronym seal do you remember I don't but know. he or, what they're doing is these guys study the navy seals and their buds oh it was buds training yeah that's what it was he, he's calling this phase buds and you guys know about the the college coaches and strength coaches obsess over the navy seals because of their culture leadership toughness building they make the greatest war fighters in the history of the world and coach coach brady would do that and i know coach um marati would do that ohio state just kind of replicating that boat crew team crew thing of guys and it was like every crew's competing against each other and these crews are built up of guys from all across different positions and you guys are just buds is literally you just get your fucking asses turned inside out for for a couple weeks and that's what's happening to them right now i'm, I'm getting like uh snapchats from some of the guys still on the team you see him just passed out in the locker room after a workout and i'm sure. like god i'm glad that's not me but i'm also like fuck yeah let's go let's like go. That, that's the that's like the shit that it's you need that and you need it now and it's good mm. to kind of it you know our guys are kind of getting getting worked by Nico, so that's good. But I just kind of went on a big rant there. But I was kind of just explaining what I've been seeing right. and feeling too with the culture. So it does. So you're feeling good. I'm feeling good. But I but listen, I was also the jackass chugging the Kool Aid after Pitt last year. So I got a we all were. Yeah, that was everybody. <laughs> Every single person Wait, was. What was what was the worst Kool Aid drink by us? Was it after Pitt? Or before yeah. Miami. I mean, that and was the same thing. We it was the same week. But it was like after the pit game, we were riding high, and then when yeah. we all met up before, and then we Miami, all saw we each other there. before Miami. Yeah, that was the cold. <laughs> we're gonna be rich. <laughs> yeah, that was so. Two hundred dollars on that game. Yeah, it was like that's how convinced like, I was. Rich, we're rich. Yeah. I don't want to expose how much money I put on. Uh, <laughs> I don't gamble. I confidently put two hundred dollars on that game. Yeah, confidently. Yeah, one time. That was. I haven't. I don't think I've bet more than twenty dollars since then. I confidently put a large sum as well. So, uh, you know, the, but Royer, I'm I, I'm excited Just to add see a zero to, to to hear you more when the uh, off seasons wears on. Just kind of just similarities that we have and. You, you've got to be there for the next Nico episode because I want to hear kind of you guys go back and forth on on kind of what he's seeing and what you remember and and the vibes kind of lead to that because it, it, it's pretty similar. Um, you know, obviously they scratched and clawed and got two more victories uh, in, in that four and eight season, but 
I, I mean, it's it seems like the similarities are a lot more ab- abundant than it than it was, you know, this year. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah, because I yeah. I agree. With you. I need to make my way down there for a Friday workout for one of the early workouts, and that'll get a real taste. But I'm telling you, you will feel when the pads come on first spring practice with full pads you that's when we'll know like what what went down this offseason how hungry are you the gonna guys. come yeah i'm gonna as long as it's not it depend on the time i might be able to come for an hour in the in the morning catch a couple maybe the first couple periods of um seven on or or inside run or something but i have to go to work so you could take a day off. maybe take a, a day saturday off. for sure but i want to see that first day I think, look, I think you're going to want to be at the spring game. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be epic. Spring game's a no-brainer. Ah, oh, who we got? <laughs> Yo, what up, dude? Oh, we got to oh. Let's go Bearcats football. I have an football. Let's go, baby. <laughs> that was a new one. You've only seen the other one. We got a new appearance. <laughs> oh yeah, he's hyped for Bearcats football, baby. Yeah, golly, add him to the crew. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, think a lot. Well, think as well. Dez kind of blew up in the UCLA game, and and then the the rest is history with with his career. I'm, I'm not saying Swordsby is Dez, but you know, kind of trying to mold uh, someone to. You know, not not just having a placeholder and at the uh, most important position on the team is, is probably pretty important as well. So, um, we'll see. I'm excited, and it's gonna wear on. So, that's a good riffing with Royer. I like the segment a lot. Me too. It's really good. Timestamp, y'all. Do we? Do we uh, are we gonna have to do a shot like every yeah. question? Yes, I'm in. Lock it in. All right. Lock it doggone in. All right. That is a timestamp brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats. For twenty percent off your first month of purchases, gotta love him. Um, mailbag it. Well, well, before we do the mailbag, real fast. You know, last Sunday was was heavily involved with a with former Bearcat. Easy check with former Bearcat uh, Travis Kelsey winning uh, in, in advancing to the Super Bowl. Uh, also, you, you saw as as we were able to be so excited about was uh the fact that kylie rocking the um seapaw was was another thing that kind of made a uh a, a big stir obviously this past sunday uh fellow bearcat taylor swift won a record fourth album of the year at the grammys uh just just bearcats galore shouts to taylor swift on her success um an announcement of her new album coming out Gonna be a uh, gonna be one to see, but this upcoming Sunday is Super Bowl. Before we do the mailbag, I'm just gonna go around the horn. 
quick thought, maybe a, a game prediction, or maybe your favorite prop bet or anything of those sorts for this Sunday of the Super Bowl? I, I don't know how the Chiefs don't win, honestly. I know the Niners are good, but uh, it, it, the Chiefs know how to get across the finish line. So uh, I'm going Kansas City. Their defense is elite. Elite. I honestly think the Niners are actually better on paper than Kansas City in pretty much every facet outside of quarterback. Um, I mean, Kittle's right up there with, with Kelsey okay. um, when he's on. But um, I don't think there's any way in hell that the NFL, as far as financially, don't let Kansas City win this game because – how much merchandise are they going to sell to the millions of Swifties out there that are bonkers over football currently? So yeah, conspiratorially, I think that this game's already over. And I where's your on... ten foil hat, son? I I I don't care if I watch this game. <laughs> I could not care less about this one. The the commercials are already starting to leak. The rest will be out after the Super Bowl. So I probably will find a way to be cooking, doing dishes, not really watching this game. I'm having a Super Bowl party. We're going to rock it out. We're going to think about, about 10, 12, maybe a little bit more people coming over. Doing uh, doing doing app night, I think. Okay. Doing wings and nachos. and uh, Have you done Texas shotgun shells, Brent? You, you, you discussed them. I have not done them. I think I'm going to do some Texas shotgun shells. Um, I'll probably come up with a couple more. We'll probably have five, six different. Charcuterie board, of course. Charcuterie board. Oh, I showed you my Thanksgiving charcuterie board. I want to make another one. I was, that one was fire. So oh, yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to run it back on that for sure. Friday is going to probably be a day of like Costco, uh, a lot of running. To, to get everything. That Don't want to try and squeeze it in before the game on Saturday. That's for sure. No, we got, there's a game. So yeah. Saturday is not going to happen. Yeah. Oh no. I'm saying like trying to squeeze it in. Like let's go early in the day. Oh. That place going to be packed to the wazoo. Yeah. No, no, no. It's going to have to, it's going to be a Friday mission. Friday, Friday is going to be, uh, you know, you have to get some shit done. Yeah. I hear you. Media and tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, uh, get in a, a video segment with Lapore on Wednesday, BBP pod on Wednesday or BCJ pod on Wednesday. And then like Thursday and Friday to really kind of dial in on my Super Bowl menu. There we go. Aaron, you're not an Usher fan. I mean, back in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. When he was cruising around in his drop top, cruising the streets. You don't want to let it, let it burn. Let it burn. That was, that was a lame album. That was a breakup album. Well, I'm excited to see who Usher brings out. You know? maybe. I mean, it could have been Taylor Swift and Eminem, but the Lions, Lions Lil John. And Lil what? 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 Okay. Because that guy costs you nothing right now. He's not doing anything. <laughs> He's just here just to yell out a couple. Okay. Oh, yeah. Geez. How old is that guy anyway at this point? <laughs> okay. Royer, Super Bowl thoughts. Sunday, the big game. I think the Chiefs Sunday, won. Sunday, Sunday. 
Chiefs win. Um, Aaron's favorite superstar gets gets her <laughs> gets more uh, spotlight and leads her right into a quadruple platinum new album. Oh no! <laughs> I uh, I I think it'll be a good game, but I think there's no way. Patty what date is the spring game, Brent? Date. That's a good question. I I, I know it came 30th. out. You can get Flo Rida for pennies. He had me laughing my ass off at the Kroger Wellness Festival. <laughs> good to see you're here with us, Thrifty. Oh. <laughs> it's spring game the 13th. I'm looking at uh, Oh, wow. That would be quite quite the interesting date. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm not going to be able to find it quick. I was hoping I would. But, yeah. Well, what? Oh, there it is. There it is. Real, real yeah. quick while we're doing... April while we're doing what's the day? April 13th at Nippert Stadium. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's six days from another important date. While we're, while we're doing housekeeping, uh, George and I will have Coach Bischel on with us tomorrow night on George in the Jungle. Uh, he, of course, is the new baseball coach. We'll be talking a little UC baseball before the season is underway. Get your mitts out. Play a little catch. Get you excited for that. Um, just just rounding out the, the Super Bowl talk. I agree with Chad and Ryan. Uh, Kansas City, I think they're just too like they've been here before. I think, you know, the main thing is the fact that, uh, you know, the whole defensive thing, uh, sure, San Francisco could, could just run it up their gut the entire game and see what they could do. But why didn't you know, Baltimore do that. Aaron, is there a conspiracy behind that? But who knows? Um, I'm I'm picking KC in this one just because it, it, it just – I mean, this is the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, game, <laughs> the game is run by quarterbacks. I think Brock Purdy's really good. Uh, but I think when it comes down to it, Andy Reid and uh, – and Do you have a relevant. timeline on his dad's DUIs? Like, is, did his dad get a DUI before each Super Bowl win? Right. Like, this would be the third, and then, mm. like, every time Mahomes' Pat dad gets DUI, win, he has to stay Bowl. in line with, with those numbers as they continue to add up. That's, that's for sure. Jackson, <laughs> Sorry, was... you know, in the background doing something crazy. Aaron's ready to leave. It's Aaron trying to hit the exit button, the eject button on this podcast. Uh, moving on, I guess we are about to start the mailbag. So, starting off with the football portion, of the mailbag here. Starting off with a question from UC Merck. By using what you know right now about them, please rate the units best to worst on how they would do statistically next year. The units are offensive, defensive, and special teams. I think offense is ahead of the defense, um, if, if I had to guess. I, would, I mean, I would. you would hope special teams would be ahead of both. You've got a really good kicker and a really good punter, but right. special teams was kind of a disaster last year, even with those things. Yeah, an I, injury though to to Mace. Yeah, need a kick returner. Need a need a punt returner. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Warren, where are you at? Defense. What's that? 
I think I'm going to go with offense, then specs, then defense. We're going to need to see something from Jordan Vishal. Like, let, let's see what you got. Because I think we're all rightfully down on the defense right now. They couldn't cover. They couldn't get after the quarterback. And they weren't good at tackling. If I had to pick the three things that that lead to bad defense, it would be those three things. Can't yeah, cover. Uh, can't get after the quarterback. Can't tackle. I think you just named the baseball coach. Or Vite. Tyson You're just excited for Georgia in the jungle tomorrow. I am. I am. Tyson um, Sorry. But yeah, no, I think Dante Corleone is a fantastic start there. Obviously, the, the linebackers, another fantastic start. But yeah, all the, the, the defense is where all the new pieces are. Similar to where last year, the offense was where all the new pieces were. And you had to kind of figure it out. I think uh, offense kind of has a head start, especially with the offensive line all coming back and course yeah. running game as well so i think offense ahead of the defense and specs right now as my man royer said specs um, i'm hip aaron take it away all righty are there positions they will recruit harder for 2025 based on needs sure that's how it always works I don't think we know what those positions are yet fully. I think you need to, to see what the new roster looks like, what, you know, at least some of the spring to kind of figure out if you like what you got in certain spots or you don't. Um, but yes, they, they always have, I mean, like, you know, with Marcus Freeman, we could always say they are going to recruit safety and corner harder than anywhere. And some of those guys will end up moving to different spots, but they are going to recruit those spots harder than, than anything because they want five, six, seven guys that fit that mold. Six two, 210 pounds, 215 pounds long athletic can run. Like you want as many, you know, the, the, that Marcus wanted as many of those dudes as he can get. Um, Right now we're not really sure yet, but yes, when they identify positions of need, they will recruit them harder than positions that are not uh, as dire, so to speak. Anything to add on that, boys? No, I think Chad, Chad did a good job covering all the bases there. Jordan Bishop. Are they, recru are they recruiting another punter, Australian, to replace Fletcher? Sure. Yes. They will need somebody to punt when Fletch is not here anymore. So I would assume that they will add one. I think Do I have a name yet? Is, no. Are they going to back to the Australian well? I think was what the question Maybe. was getting. I mean, well, that was the old staff. So we like that was Brian Mason that had the connection to Pro Kick Australia. So we are probably going to find out within the next six months uh if that pipeline is still uh as good as it used to be because you know i think a part of why pro kick australia was so comfortable with that relationship was they were aware of what we became aware of that brian mason was an elite special teams coach well time will tell uh, as far as how good this relationship is between the university and mason fletcher so. well i mean nobody yeah uh, that is the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag, starting off with Pat Can Dunk. 
Texas Tech game, number one, player of the game, number two, stat of the game. Uh, 10 of 10 free throws is the stat of the game, right? Mm, pretty good one. Maybe a bigger one. One player shat his pants. I don't think that's in the stat book. I look. I'll check. I'll check. I've got stat broadcast up now. Yeah, can we can we add it to uh, a certain? They have a notes and docs uh, segment, but I don't game, see. Yeah. It says scorers notes, but under scorers notes, I don't see shat pants. The final score is also a pretty pretty good one. Oh, I that's see a good stat. I see shat pants. It's right here, Chad, with the uh, with um, the. Uh, Oh, yeah, right there. With nine seconds left, missed jumper by TTU, number two, Isaac's pop. That was the shat pants. Shat pants, yeah. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, you're on top of it. Player uh, of the game. That's a tough one for this game. Oh, there's they all. that was a collective effort. Right. That's Roar, a tough one got? for this Player game. of the game against Texas Tech. Uh, Ryan, there you are. I don't know. It's hard. Good answer. I think Nailed I'm just going to go with CMOS. Yeah. You make the game-winning shot, you get player of the game, right? That's how it works? Yeah. yeah. Simple brain by me. <laughs> I I think it's got to be CMOS. John was was a warrior. Um, Aziz. I'll I tell you what. Aziz yeah. is, is like... I want to shout from the rooftops how much Aziz is like crucial to, to this team. Um, I know there was some some fuss about him and some games early before from uh, some some certain people, not from me, because I think Aziz maximizes his role. Uh, he's he's never going to be that scorer, crazy scoring or anything of that sort. But golly, if there's a guy that ever puts his heart and effort out there. And and plays like a you know an old school bearcat. It's Aziz Mandago, man. I tell you what, he he let her, left it all on the line there against Texas Tech. So I'm going to go with Cmos Lukosius as player. Did they ever correct the the stat line for his blocks? Did Dude, he ever... had like six. That's yeah. right. I'm going. Um, I, I think I'm with you. I think I go Aziz. I think he controlled the paint in that game. But uh, you know what? I'll go Newman. For what he did on Pop Isaacs, I'll go Newman. Yeah. There's a cast of characters you could give it to. Yeah. You could also, I mean, you could also easily go Day Day because Joe Toussaint did nothing. Nothing. Gosh. Nothing. Oh, Day Day ate his lunch. I wanted to give shouts to Jizzle too in the first half. He, he played yeah. aggressive. Day Day yeah. got those two fouls. Jizzle made some big shots. Um, we failed to mention him earlier in the pod. I thought even though Texas Tech crept back into it during that stretch, he was the reason why you hit that big corner three. So shouts to Jizzle as well. His plus minus was bad. Right. But he did make plays. Yeah. All right. Um, along that same line, top two plays of the game uh, of these choices. Number one, Newman three to take the lead back at the four-minute mark. Number two, CMOS game-winning shot. I think we would all agree that that's probably one of these two. Uh, number three, Day Day seal to free up CMOS for layup to go up three at the three minute mark. 
Number four, sk Skilling's block on pop on drive, two-minute mark. Number five, Dayday's drive to foul out Tucson, one minute, 40 seconds. Or number six, Skilling's rebound and pass to Newman to seal the win. I'll go off the off the beaten path here. I'll go with the foul to get Tucson out because Pop Isaacs was terrible at point guard. When he had to play point guard, he was bad. So yeah, taking looks like, Tucson. He looks like Trey Young, but he's not Trey Young. Right. Yeah. Taking Tucson off the floor was akin to Cincinnati losing Newman for the final, you know, 90, 100 seconds, whatever it was against West Virginia. The head of the snake kind of to, to, to get them calmed down offensively was gone. Um, I'll go with that one, even though it's probably the, the answer is probably not that one. But I love like, okay, their point guard's in trouble. Attack him, sit his ass on the bench because they don't have a good backup. It is also why I have said all along, uh, akin to what Brent just mentioned, it's why you need Day Day and Jizzle to both be good. Because if something like that happens, if something like Day Day Thomas gets two fouls with 10 minutes left in the half, you can go to your backup and feel good. Texas Tech couldn't do that. It also took two efforts by Day Day to foul Tucson out. Yeah, he I mean, fouled he, him the first he, time. They didn't call it. Right. And he stopped, yeah. looked at the ref, said, come on, man, what, what are we doing here? And then went out again. I'm I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> how how weird was that? Like I, everyone stopped. The the whole court stopped. They all stopped. Well, the same Tucson, thing happened. Tucson started walking to the bench like he found out. Right. Everyone it? but the refs knew it was a foul. And, and then the same thing happened after the, the missed shot by Isaacs at the end. And and Dan grabbed the rebound and then like passed it up. Like it's like, okay, was well, everyone's waiting for a foul on the, on the rebound or a foul on something and no it was just John just standing there all by himself I feel like Texas Tech kind of just gave up at that point so I who knows I'm not going to harp too much on the stripes because hey you know what it's a hard job out there man yeah. do you have any other answers job. there Brent or are we going with Chad's too oh uh, I mean I think top, the, uh, top two okay. the first two are mine I thought that three was huge yeah, by Johnny. Yeah, I, like I, I, I tweeted it. John has seemingly been the guy to be the response guy whenever the other team kind of goes on a mini run or something of that sort. John normally knocks down some sort of a three or some sort of a shot to kind of, you know, a hard drive to the basket. He's finishing really well at the rim too. I mean, it it is crazy. Um, how blown away I, I continue to be by John's play. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd probably go those, those top two as well. All right. And what is your favorite five on the floor? Does that change when CJ comes back? No. Day Day, Dan, John, CMOS, Aziz. Give me that five. I'll roll with that five. Defense, rebounding, yeah. Some scoring pop. Yeah. CMOS and Dan are your scoring. Day Day's going to run the show. 
John has been really good on offense. Yeah, you don't get a five that scores a whole lot. But look, if he gets eight to ten on dunks and putbacks and, and mm-hmm. things of that nature, that's all you need from Aziz. Yeah. So I'll give me that five. I'll roll with that five. And well, and, and think about it too. Uh, like adding CJ back is gonna take so hey, much. Brian. Sorry. Is gonna add so much. Uh Oh, I, I don't even have that that part of the chat open. All right, see you, no. Brian. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought you were saying bye to Ryan. I was like, whoa, Roy, Brian, Brian, us. see you, Brian. Right. Um, but I think adding CJ back is going to do nothing but just just take a little bit of a load off of. Look, uh, here's the thing, off. Brent. If you slide CJ back into the seventh or eighth spot, right, in this rotation, that's pretty damn good. Well, I, that's pretty damn good. I mean, even if you reinsert him into the starting lineup where he was, you know, prior to his injury, Wes is, has shown where he kind of just continues to find the right lineup to close games. It, right. the, the whole starting thing is is what it is. But if you start CJ and CJ hits, you know, hit first two threes or hits a three and feels like it's a, you know, bit bit of a game where he's going to be on that completely can change the way that you play him the rest of the way. If he's, you know, being able to, to find his spots here and there, then if you need a spark off the bench or something, you, you roll with him then. So, um, but I agree with your, your five and, and you need disease out there to, to be battling. Um, yeah, it, it's just, that's a good five. It's a really good five. Yeah. I mean, I think that five is legit. And then there's, there's enough really quality, options to kind of mix and match to get those guys yeah a breather it's a good five long long five yeah what realistically can schools do when they think they were hosed by bad officiating is nothing process is there a process do the refs get graded or reviewed who is watching the watchman so I can't remember what year this was. It wasn't long ago. Cincinnati sent, and this is when they were in the American. It was a game they lost by one possession. I don't remember what game. Brent might remember because it was like we made a big deal out of it. But they sent nine clips to the conference that they felt were officiated wrong. And the conference responded that eight of them were the incorrect call. Yeah, And you know it was done? In a one-score game. That that could have changed the conference standings. Nothing, because once it's done, it's done. They say that the refs are graded and reviewed, mm-hmm. uh, but guess what? The people that you think are the worst typically end up in like the the elite eight in the final four, and you're looking at the floor going, "What the fuck? This guy's <laughs> terrible. Why yeah. why is Doug shows, shows whatever?" Doing another Elite Eight. <laughs> Why? Why is Kip Kissinger in the Sweet 16? He's staying. TV Teddy. TV Teddy. Uh, TV Teddy is a TV good Teddy's situation. banned, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's banned. Yeah. From the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Right. The, the crazy thing is, is Teddy is wow. actually a really good in-game official. He's just, he does a bunch of this and that and runs up and down the floor and does karate moves? Riles up, like, Nick. Gets in yeah. Nick's face. So everybody, like nobody likes TV Teddy's antics, but like Bo Borowski for a hundred years in the Big Ten was awful. Everybody knew he was terrible. 
Everybody yeah. knew the second you saw, you know, what, Broad Ripple Bow? Is that what they called him, Brent? Yeah. The second you saw him on a game, your game was going to suck because he was going to be terrible at officiating it. And those guys still show up in all the big games. So they th- they say that they're graded and reviewed. Uh, they claim that, that people are held accountable with profile assignments. And then you go turn on a fucking big game, and there's Pat Adams. And that guy has sucked his entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, there are there are no watchmen that are actually paying attention. Yeah, that's a great point. Refs are bad well, and, if you know their name. And the funniest thing is when you like you do Amy Bonner looking at you. When you do hear, when you do hear that, uh, yeah, uh, but, but when you do hear that. You know, they they the, the head of officiating did recognize that these wrong calls were made. It just like almost like twists the knife. That's already here's the there. other bad part, Brent. Go look at the names of the heads of officiating. They're all the guys we used to hate. They're too old to do it anymore. Right now, they're in charge. You send it over to Gene Steratore. Get his thoughts. No, 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 don't, no, 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 no. Don't you dare I, say a bad word about Gene Steratore. I like John Higgins, I think is like the head of like a large segment of officials. He was yeah. awful. Everybody hated him, and now he's in charge. Chad <sighs> feels some kind of way about this, but it's been going on. Like, remember uh, the old man Higgins that was dead for like thirty years, and he used to still be out there. He would just run from like. The coach's box to the coach's box. Yeah. And he fell down like five times because he, like he couldn't keep up with the pace of the game. Like, what are we doing? Well, promise I don't think there's any good ones. He was running from coach's box to coach's box. You might have seen that same like ejection this past. Yeah. He was like Scott Drew running from coach's box to coach's box. Just don't just don't take a knee right outside of the coach's box. Just yeah, that's that's a bridge too far. Uh, no, the, the most insane thing from this past game was not one, but two, three seconds in the lane calls in the same half. It's just like, like, what do we do? Did McCaslin say, hey, watch, watch three seconds in the lane? And then all of a sudden, it it's no, a call Tom Cream like, did. Tom no, Cream well, said that on the broadcast. Right. right Eric, you exactly. know why Tom Cream says that? Because they have a meeting with the coaches and the, the, the announce crew. And the coaches tell the announce crew things like, "Oh yeah, they camp in the lane. Like we'll be we'll be making that a point to the officials, and then they make it an point to the officials. And then Tom Crean looks brilliant uh, because he was given the information beforehand. Man, I'm I'm secretly well, rooting. I will for say Tom, the one time I'm secretly rooting for so many more Tom Crean games. He's so good. He's so good. Creepy. creepy. Look, I I talked to a couple people about it. And I was told he went into those meetings with like pages of notes and like to, to ask the coaching staff. Normally, when you go in, those guys are just asking the coaching staff to like watch the games. Right. They're asking the coaching staff, tell us what we need to know. Tom Cream went in like, all right, uh, I see you guys are running, are running a lot of Spain. 
uh, and you're running a lot of horns. What are you guys looking to like achieve out of like Tom Green broke down tape? He was educated. He was informed. He knew the sets, the players, the strengths, the weaknesses. And I was told that that was evident the day before the game when he met with coaching staffs and was was on top of his shit. So, again, more flowers for Tom Crean. As good of an analyst as I've listened to this year. Yeah. And he's weird. That's and a creepy could, dude. You could tell that he, he like, it might have been his first time with this with this play by play guy. He had um, been doing a bunch of AAC games, I think. Well, well, because he like you heard him, he was still hot. The, the mic was still hot when they went to the yeah. like one of the first commercial breaks. He said, "How are we doing?" And the, and the Chucky guy was like, we, "We're doing well, doing good." So it's like, okay, good you know, him. Crane's probably trying to trying to get over those those early game EBGBs, but uh, I thought he did a really good job. Um, he tried to he tried to do a lot of Romo though, like saying what the play was before it was a lot of times, which which I think is refreshing. But also in the same sense, it's like, you know, they aren't going to throw a lob on every single play. I mean, maybe Cincinnati will if, if they get lob happy, but um, he was he was a little Romo ish at times. I didn't get that vibe off him. Romo's Romo's gone. He's he's jumped the shark to where he's talking about doing shows in front of his. Tens of thousands of fans in his living room, except there really aren't any, or whatever the fuck he's talking about anymore. He's a crazy person. Uh, you got five minutes overtime period to win an important Big 12 game, and the players you choose need to play all five minutes. Assume CJ is healthy. Who are those Bearcat players right now? Brent? I mean, I think the five that we mentioned earlier. Uh... I don't know if if CJ is like on fire throughout the game. Man, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> like, it's a good it problem depends. to have. I think but, it would be matchup dependent because I think there's situations where if Vic's on his game and in, in playing in his bag, I think there's again yeah. matchup dependent that there's a reason that you would want him out there as well. Right. Yeah, I think Day Day, Dan, John, Cmos, Aziz. Right, what we said earlier. Um, Day Day, Dan, John, Cmos, Aziz. Royer's in. I like it. All right, that's the end of the basketball portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the Banks portion of the mailbag. Sorry for the late post. In line at Kroger Pharmacy. Of course, this is from Skins. Uh, rapid fire pharmaceutical edition. Best drug to knock Aaron out. Does this rag smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> chloroform. Go with chloroform. Uh, my answer is uh, 30 Cincy Lights. Wouldn't, it wouldn't be 30 anymore. I'm out of my bag. I'm, I'm way out of my bag. Getting Cincy lights and then an emotional conversation. Well, for sure. There's always an emotional conversation. And I'll just give you my shoulder and you'll just fall asleep. It's, it's fine. Uh, uh, break, breaking Bad or Miami Vice? Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad. Phenomenal show. 
I'm on True Detective right now, season Me one. Too. And it is amazing. Are like the most recent season? No, no he's on one. Woody and Woody. Oh, and oh you're on season uh, McGonaghy. Oh, wow. So you you got to be Dario. Dario, did you? Yeah, the Dario. Ooh. That might be one of the best scenes in cinematic Don't, history. Oh, I'm on. I'm on episode four. Don't say shit. Well, then you already saw it. What is I think it's in episode one or two. I've never drank a Breaking Bad, but I'm I'm here for the strawberry daiquiri pina colada mix. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, I've never seen a minute of Breaking Bad. Wow! Wow! I'm not judging. I'm not I don't judging. watch TV. I don't watch. I don't have time to dedicate for like an extended. Like you memorized like all these wrestling things. From when I was a kid, when I had time. Well, this was this was like Breaking Bad came out like fifteen I years was ago. Busy building a business, Brent. I just didn't watch a lot of a lot of TV shows. Yeah. So I never saw Breaking Bad. So I have to go Miami Vice. I'm Breaking sure Breaking Bad, Bad was awesome. 2008, Chad. I started doing this in 2006, Brent. The, oh, I, I thought it was just like 12 years on the on the BCJ no. spread. No, 06. I started Mick's first year. Mickey. So, yeah, I, I, I just TV and TV shows have not really been my thing. I think a lot of that, too, is like when I did watch TV at any point, it was like something Kelly wanted to watch and we would watch together like at the end of a long day or whatever, like 10, 11 o'clock at night, we would watch a show or two and then she would go to bed. Um, so she never really wanted to watch Breaking Bad. So I don't think we watched Breaking Bad. So I'll go Miami Vice. <laughs> I, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I like Breaking Bad. Uh, I'm sure it was good. The last question, edibles or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that word is vape, but uh, yes. vape has an E. Yes. You've never had that before? Look, there's new things coming out all the time. I know there's <laughs> shops popping up here, there, and everywhere. Aaron, you don't have that new VAP pen? That I, VAP? I still, don't under, I still don't understand what DAB is. I, I'm just saying. Um, but <laughs> um, I don't... Contrary to popular belief, I don't I don't dabble. Me either. Never touch the stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna pass it to our our uh the guy who <laughs> has done it all, Royer. What's your what's your I, I'm not on any of that shit? <laughs> yeah. Edibles is the answer. Edibles is always the answer. Always I feel like edibles would be better for you than vaping. So I guess I would choose that. Or right. we just want to just pop in some of these bad boys. Hey! I think collectively we are leading the one, two, three, four field. Uh, Britt, get us out of here. That's a the little, mailbag. A little Cincinnati on a Monday night, huh? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, these are from the weekend. I'll be uh, saving them for the game on Saturday. A couple upper deckies. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, now. Well, guys, it was a huge win. 
took down Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, down and out. Now, it's time to get rested up for a huge game on Saturday. 4 p.m. tip-off. Golly. Um, it's, it's, it's a game that is a massive importance. Um, Got to continue the right streak heading in the right direction for the Bearcats to, uh, to pull out a big, big victory. I think, uh, think things are heading in the right direction. That, that, that is a 4 p.m. tip, right? I wanted to make sure I got that right. Um, I believe I guess, so, yeah. Either way. Yeah. Well. I believe so, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, it's going to be an exciting game, obviously. You need to, need to come loud, be early, and wear, wear neon. neon. Wear neon. Wear neon, yeah. Come loud, be early, wear neon. Going to be a ruckus environment. It is 4 p.m. for the tip. Houston Cougars. We we know about them. Time to uh, time to face them. But uh, for my guys, my pals, also enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. For my guys, pals, the crew, the squad, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. I am Brent Young. Yet another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.